Oh, good evening, everybody. We, we would like to see you a little more, so there'll be more lights coming on. That's pretty good. fine with that, sure. Well, we can even go a little higher. You want to? Okay. Okay. Yes. Put on the lamp. Lovely to be here. Um, for those of you who I don't know, I'm Eugene Cash, and I'm one of the teachers here at Spirit Rock and at San Francisco Insight. And um, here, happy to be here with a number of good friends who we've, you know, practiced and taught together in different forms, different ways over many years. Uh, on my left is Vinnie Ferraro from Against the Stream in San Francisco. On my right, Howard Cohn, also from Mission Dharma. Uh, and then next to uh, Howie is uh, Anushka Fernando Pole. And I don't know, what's the name of the 
Monday night. Yeah, that's okay. Monday night Sangha in San Francisco. And Kitty Costello, who will be do, doing the movement, both she'll be both um, practicing here. She's having her own retreat, and she'll be leading the movement meditation uh, while we're here. And she's part of SFI and other sang- sanghas. <clears throat> and uh, great to be here. Great to be here with you all. At least so far, it's good. <laughs> And we'll see how it unfolds, what happens. But um, I, I get to, to appreciate being here in the sense that um, uh, it was a, a little bit my idea uh, because SF Insight has done its own retreat for many years. And, uh, and we were thinking, oh, let's get all the groups that are in San Francisco and let's teach together and let's see what it's like to bring the various sanghas together and practice together for however many days we have. And I was really happy that everybody agreed because, you know, Dharma teachers aren't always agreeable all the time. You know, mostly they're pretty good, but... And so it's really a pleasure to be here and to to do this and to see you, um, many of whom I know from SF Insight and and then, oh, I kind of know you from somewhere, either a retreat or, you know, I've taught at Howie's group and uh, even did a guest appearance at at Against the Stream recently. So, um, so... Uh, we're, and I'm going to speak for everybody. I think we're all happy to be here with you. And, um, and it's a great opportunity to practice together because given all the circumstances and the team and the uh, San Francisco quality to this retreat, we're still here to practice together. We're still here to pay attention. We're still here to be aware and see what we discover about reality, about the reality that's already here, right? That's already sitting in each seat here in this hall, meaning in, it doesn't matter, teacher, or, or if you're a student, you know, we're all here practicing together. And the awareness and the highlighting of the awareness that knows things, we're all here doing that together. And of course, there are many ways to talk about what we're doing. And I thought I would begin with a quote from Ajahn Chah, who's part of the lineage that Spirit Rock is part of. He was my teacher's teacher originally, is how I got to know about Ajahn Chah. And uh, he said, to try and run away from suffering is actually to run towards it. To run away from suffering is to run towards it. And I always thought that was a beautiful understanding of what we're doing. We're not running away from anything when we come here. What we're, we're interested in is seeing, oh, how do we wake up? How can we be free? 
how can we realize what the, these statues are pointing towards that's sitting right in our seat. <clears throat> and so we're here to, to, to follow the instruction of the Buddha. We're, that's the, the full lineage we're in. And actually we're, we're in even bigger lineages than the Buddha. It's, we're in the Buddhist lineage. But we're, we all bring even more than Buddhism here. And even more than Buddhism awakens here. Because the reality of what's here is quite amazing as far as I'm concerned. And the potential for human beings, for each human being, for each human being, no matter what your history is, or no matter what your, the context of what's coming in here, or no matter what your identity is, or no matter what your lineages are, because you'll have other lineages of, of culture or of race or of religion of origin or economic uh, lineages. Whatever lineages you bring in here are all part of what starts to wake up, starts to discover the truth of the way things are, of the potential for human beings to be free. And that's a beautiful understanding that the Buddha came to, not by renouncing who he was, but by, as they say in Zen, he was himself all the way to the end. All the way to the end. And that's part of what we're going to encourage here for each of you, is to totally be yourself because there's not a lot of other choice, really, right? The other choice is dukkha. And, and uh, how many people here are, are first retreat? Let me just see, how many people? Raise your hand, raise your hands high, really great. It's totally, and we, we wanna see, keep your hands up. Thank you, thank you, yeah, great, great, welcome. Very cool, in my view, you know, and really, I remember, coming, going to my first actually long retreat, a 10-day retreat, and I was encouraged by Howie, who I knew from a little, I'd done a little short retreat or something, and I said, oh, should I do a 10-day? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, I'd be okay. He said, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And then I went, I wasn't fine at all, but it was... <laughs> 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 and that was fine. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly true. And and uh, and it's just great that you're here. So welcome, really heartfelt welcome to you, those of you who are new. Because in my view, coming on retreat is a whole new way to discover who and what you are, and then see what happens from there. <clears throat> And part of the uh, discovery is to um, practice, is to be aware, is to become intimate with yourself today, tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow late morning, tomorrow at lunch, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, tomorrow during the Dharma talk, tomorrow night, tomorrow, you know, when you're going to 
to get food or have your lunch or your dinner. And then when you're going to the bathroom, staying very intimate with the human experience that's sitting in your seat right now. And that experience is the doorway to freedom, paradoxically, surprisingly, or uh, sometimes just amazingly wonderful. But it's already here what's needed. And partly we're just going to hope to give some instructions and some guidance and some talks and some support and some help for you to wake up, right? And, and let's see what happens. Because we usually, I, I, maybe this isn't true, but usually we have a lot of ideas about what's going to happen. Anybody have that? Any about your life? Okay. Oh, just the two people raise their hand, right? But, but usually people, we always think, oh, well, it's going to be this or it's going to be that. Especially if you've done retreats, then you also think, well, I know retreats, so well, this they'll happen, then that, and you know. And there's some truth to it, and there's some not truth to it, because reality is much wilder than we think it is much more interesting, much more fascinating. And when I say reality, I mean you, because you are reality. We are reality. We're a living expression of reality. And the one for sure thing I can, um, I can say that you could trust all the way is we won't quite be here in this way forever, right? Everybody aware of that? Right, and it's a you know it's often just an idea, but it's more than an idea. It is part of the reality of the physical form. It's here for you know five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, six, seven, eight, nine, a hundred, maybe a hundred and ten. I don't know, you know, fifteen, you know, something, and then it's gone. And so the magic of what's here or the mystery of what's here, the beauty of what's here is here right now. And this is the doorway. This is where we practice is right here in this human experience of being yourself. Funny, I have all kinds of stuff written down that I'm not reading at all, which is good. Um, Uh, I want to give a few um, ways you might consider practice as you're here that hopefully will be helpful. One is um, give yourself to the practice. Give yourself to the practice. It'll It'll be gone quickly. It'll be over. Remember, how many people remember last year? Raise your hand if you can remember last year, right? Remember that? Remember, it was not so long ago last year, and it was totally real. Remember how real it seemed? It's gone. I just find that amazing. (laughs) Meaning it's just... It comes and it's real and it's here and then it's 
And it's beautiful how amazing reality is that way. And we'll speak more about that while we're here on retreat. But really all I'm saying is this retreat will be gone soon, right? I remember the first retreat I sat with Howie. It's gone, right? And even the Howie who was there is gone. <laughs> That's even more accurate. But And of course the Eugene who was there is gone. Anyhow, so a few things that might be helpful, right? Uh, relax. How's that for a good Dharma teaching? Relax. <laughs> really, relax. Because all we're asking you to do is be here. That's, that's a, the, the basic underlying guide, guideline that we're asking. Be here. Be aware of what's here. And, and, and be, so you'll be aware of your body and your feelings and your thoughts and your ideas and all kinds of things will happen and sounds and smells and tastes and touch. And it'll all happen and you want to be aware of, oh, all this magical, all the magical components of human reality that we take for granted. That we're not, we're not, we don't usually notice, oh, they're just appearing and disappearing. And we want to be kind while we're being aware. So you want to be aware and be kind. And you'll see, as you're aware of whatever's happening, you'll also be aware of having reactions to whatever's happening. Anybody ever notice how you react to things? Right? You like some things or you don't like things or you get nervous about something or angry about something and you don't have to stop any of that. You want to be aware of what's happening and then any reaction to what's happening instead of just being identified with what's happening and the reaction to what's happening. We want to be aware. We want to let this quality of awareness start to imbue our physical, somatic, kinesthetic, emotional, affective, cognitive, mental reality and beyond and see what happens. Instead of just being mesmerized by this ordinary human experience. Let's be aware of it together. <clears throat> and so please be, be real, be yourself, and be a little bit curious and interested in what's happening now. And you can, and please start right now because you're listening to me, you can listen to me, you can be aware of the hearing and the sound and then any thoughts that are happening right now, then liking what I'm saying, not liking it. Believe me, you don't have to like what we say. That's not a problem. You just want to be aware of it instead of just being identified with it or mesmerized, as I said, with it. And the kindness is very, very helpful 
be kind to yourself. Retreats are up and down. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're, you, one can feel rotten on a retreat. Be nice to yourself when you're having a good time or not a good time or even a very even time. Be nice to yourself and and be kind. And of course, let that kindness also be here for everybody who's on the retreat because we're all here together. We're all practicing together. No matter what's happening for each of us at any particular moment, we're all here together. And so we just, we want to be aware, we want to be kind, and we want to be very present moment by moment by moment. This is it, right? It's one of the great Buddhist phrases that from nobody I could ever quote, this is it, right? It's all right here, right? Even your awareness of what I'm saying and what you're feeling and thinking, it's all happening right now. And notice what it's like to be aware of it. <clears throat> and the kindness, I will quote the Buddha, he said, because we hold ourselves dear, because we hold ourselves dear, we maintain careful self-regard both day and night. That's a beautiful way to understand the practice. Because we hold ourselves dear, because we appreciate what's sitting in our seat, that we have a value for who and what we are, the liveness that is sitting in our seat that we maintain careful, caring, self-regard is a euphemism for mindfulness. We maintain careful, caring mindfulness both day and night. So give yourself to the retreat, give your wholehearted engagement to the retreat, and, uh, and relax if you can because there'll be a lot of retreat these number of days. And another little Eugene's tips, it'll be simple, and it's okay if it's simple. We're not doing anything. <laughs> this is the hardest part when I say this. Everybody got that? We're not doing anything, right? We're just going to be sitting and walking and eating and, you know, going to the bathroom and sleeping and talking a teeny bit. But we're not really doing anything. We're just being here. And that's what's paradoxically difficult for us as human beings. We're used to a lot of complexity. We're a little, we live in a workaholic culture. And so being busy is part of our atmosphere. And part of the paradox of practice is turning towards the simplicity of, oh, just being here in a very ordinary way, right? Moment by moment by moment, 
paying attention, being aware, aware in a very kind, heartfelt way, and seeing what happens. How do we, what do we discover about who and what we are as we do this very simple practice of being aware of our human beingness? And part of the paradox of practice is that as we turn towards the living reality of what's right here, we have the potential to find, to discover exactly what we seek in terms of freedom, peace, openness, compassion, love. It's all here and can all start to reveal itself with our patience and our kindness and our awareness and our presence. So, wish, wishing you all a great retreat. And a great retreat is not a one line. A great retreat usually looks like this. Or, or it looks some way I don't even know yet. You could have a great retreat that's different than the retreats I've had. Right? We will, we will all share a little bit this evening and love listening to Eugene. Do I have enough volume? Can you hear me in the back? Okay. And I'm essentially going to repeat everything that Eugene said, but, but in a slightly different form. Uh, because I, it's my pleasure to, to offer the, one of the two main rituals that we, uh, that we give ourselves to at the beginning of a retreat to remind us that we are doing something both ordinary, as Eugene spoke, but also quite different and extraordinary because it is so rare to stop uh, the, the incessant busyness and uh, obsession with what's next and to really settle back in the moment. It's quite rare. So I'm also really happy to be with you and happy for you and, and happy to be with my friends and colleagues here um, because I, one, I have so much faith in what we're doing and how much each of us uh, can benefit by being ourselves and benefit by the continuity of of attention, which we don't usually, we, we all know how to be present, but we don't know how to be present very long. And so to sustain that and to have that be a, a river, a current of presentness uh, is so gladdening to the heart and so clarifying to our mind that it's just, it, you'll want to tell everybody uh, when you leave here, and please don't. Thank you.
Anyway, we'll get to that later. But uh, this, this first ritual is the reminder that we're doing something different. And it, it reflects on the fact that we are always in everything that we do in our daily life, in our life in general, is we're looking for a place of, of rest, of refuge, of relief, of peace. That's the hidden aim in everything that we do. But as Eugene was saying, most of the methodology that we use is uh, busyness, distraction, is, you know, when the going is tough, we, we get distracted. I often, at the beginning of the retreat, I ask people to consider that you've come on a different retreat and you don't even know why you're here yet and the instructions offered are think all day, get lost in thought, distract yourself any way you can, gratify every desire, feed your wanting mind, hold on tight, and, and uh, go shopping. <laughs> Pick up your smartphone 5,000 times a day and walk down the street with your face in your phone and pretend no one notices. Anyway, you, you chuckle, but this is really the operating instructions that we are given every day and the ones we practice. So this is where we have gone for refuge. And so instead here, of course, we, in general, we come to Spirit Rock for refuge. But Eugene just reminded us that instead of going to the mall for refuge or whatever we usually do for refuge, here we go to what we call the Buddha. And... And Buddha simply means awake. It, we go to that wakefulness that sits right here. The very consciousness or awareness through which you are perceiving these words right now. Buddha, awake, aware. And we don't look for anything but this. You don't go any farther than the fact of being aware. So you can... Think of going to the historical Buddha and gaining inspiration, and that's a wonderful thing, because the Buddha as a human being was extraordinary, human like us, and reminds us of the capacity to awaken. But in the most immediate sense, it's Buddha is your own mind. And as Ryokan says, the way goes nowhere. Don't look for anything but this. So I go to the Buddha for refuge, means... How far do I travel? Now, it took me a while to get to Spirit Rock, but how far do I have to go to the, find the Buddha? So Buddha is your mind. So we go to the Buddha for refuge. The second Eugene also spoke about is not, not some kind of ideal or expectation or hope, but we go to the Dharma for refuge. Dharma just means reality, the truth, the way things are. So instead of aiming, even though we might have a larger aim of, of awakening, some sure heart's release, which is quite possible, we go to the Dharma, we go to whatever it is that's showing up. Am I aware? The Buddha. What am I aware of? The Dharma. What is the nature of this experience right now. Again, don't look for anything but this. 
So if you forget why you came here, hopefully somewhere in the, in the middle of your storm or your plan for your escape, you'll remember, oh, Buddha, Dharma, aware, what am I aware of? Don't look for anything but this. I know when I do that, even for this moment, I don't know if you have that feeling, but as soon as I remember, oh, I go to the Buddha for refuge, go to the Dharma for refuge, most of my problems fade away, the imagined ones. I may feel some discomfort or a little tiredness or whatever it is, but the immediate Dharma is very manageable. And I don't have to manage any more than that. The last bit of Dharma is gone. The next bit of Dharma has not yet occurred. So it's just this. I go to the Buddha for refuge. I go to the Dharma for refuge. And traditionally, going to the Dharma for refuge is using the teachings that are offered, teachings that remind us of the benefit of kindness and patience, uh, non-harming, of of developing the capacity to train our minds and develop ourselves. And we, we can benefit by the Dharma, the Buddha Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha. But in that most immediate sense, Dharma is you, your own experience, unfolding moment by moment. And last but not least, we, so I go to the Buddha for refuge, Dharma for refuge, Sangha for refuge. Now, traditionally, we go to the Sangha for refuge, we connect with that river of generosity, of compassion, of teachings that have come, that have been shared heart to heart, mind to mind for 2,600 years. The Arya Sangha, the Sangha of Awakening, the community of awakening. We can draw inspiration from that. But in the most immediate sense, Sangha is the, the lifting power, the sacred power of of doing this, wake, this waking up together, that it's so different than doing it home alone. Uh, there is just such a, um, a different measure of, of strength and power in the, our capacity to awaken when we do it in good company. And not only do we benefit by, by doing it with each other, uh, by re- receiving from each other the benefit of practice, we also intensify our practice by knowing that we are offering to the Sangha, to the community, our practice, because we impact each other really sensitively when we're on retreat. And to, to go to the Sangha, give your practice to your Sangha, do everything here for the benefit of the people you're practicing with. They're, those, these are the beings who are close at hand here. So we... And then next ritual will we'll, um, speak to how to be together here as a Sangha. But we can draw tremendous support and inspiration from just being together. And so take advantage of it. I know when, when I practiced early on in my retreats, I used to sneak lots of peaks. And I would imitate the people who looked like they were really practicing. And especially when I was filled with doubt or scattered, I would see somebody moving very mindfully. They may have been completely lost in, sh- in thought, but they appeared that they were really pr- 
present. And there's something about their presence that drew me into that sense of immediacy. So occasionally tune in to your, to your sangha, to your community. So just to, to emphasize this Buddha, Dharma, Sangha as a, as a refuge, as a place of, of safety and relief, uh, let's chant these together as they have been for thousands of years. And I'll do a brief introduction and then we'll do this call and response. Han tamayan buddharatana satinayan jakaromase namo tasa, your turn. Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambhutasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambhutasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambhutasa Budang Saranangachami Dhamam Saranangachami Sangam Saranangachami Dutyampi Budang Saranangachami Dutyampi Dhamam Saranangachami Dutyampi Sangam Saranangachami Tatyampi Budam Saranangachami Tatyampi Dhamam Saranangachami Tatyampi Sangam Saranangachami to the Buddha for refuge, the Dharma for refuge, the Sangha for refuge three times. Anyway, hope you uh, utilize, take advantage of this intention to go to yourself for refuge and to whatever's happening and to each other and have a wonderful retreat. So looking forward to being with you. Thank you. So we have uh, two more short pieces that we want to do, but it could be that you've been sitting here for quite some time. So uh, I'll give you a moment to do a little mindful stretch where you are. So if you want to stand up, you can. Feel the need. And even as we're standing up, we can notice what it's like in the body as we unfold. You can allow yourself to stretch however you need. 
you want to go up, you can go up. Reach as far as you can. If you want to go down, you can go down. Stretch downwards. And see what else needs to be given a little bit of motion. If it's the wrists or the arms, shoulders. All right. So then you can gently and mindfully fold yourself back up. And we'll just be sitting together for a little bit longer, and then we will send you off to bed. So my name is Anushka, as Eugene said, if I haven't met some of you. um, Welcome. Welcome here to Spirit Rock, to those of you who are new also. As how he ended the refuges with this idea of sangha and practicing in community, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about some aspects of that uh, that will support our practice together. And tonight we're talking about a lot of foundational things. Uh, So we're doing the retreat in some ways as individuals and in some ways really as a community, as a group together. And the way that we are with each other really impacts uh, each other all the time. So even in this brief stretch break, you might notice, like you had to stretch one way, but the person next to you is stretching the other way and try not to bump into each other and still stretch. And there's many ways in which this kind of thing happens in our lives as human beings. So I'm, I know many people here are from San Francisco also, and in the city it's particularly accentuated. We're living in close quarters with each other um, or whatever other parts of the Bay Area you're from, and... So we bump into each other a lot in different ways, on the BART, on the Muni, and cars and bicycles. So how can we live together in a way that is kind and harmonious? What do we need to pay attention to as far as our body, as far as the arisings of our mind, as far as our speech, to create the kind of community that we'd like to live in? So here we get a chance to practice that on retreat, And I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about the training precepts, which is part of an ancient recipe for awakening that the Buddha recommended. So here on retreat, we're practicing kind of like in a small monastery. We're we're being like lay monastics for this week. And it's a rare opportunity and an unusual container. So very different than the container uh, of most neighborhoods, you could say, probably, in the Bay Area. So in this neighborhood, uh, we are going to live together largely in silence. So we're going to prioritize living with awareness. And we're going to prioritize uh, not harming each other in a variety of different ways. So the first training precept uh, that we take up, and I should say that the spirit of this is really as trainings that support our own awakening and the awakening of our uh, friends and community here. So it's not like a commandment or something that you're either going to get wrong or right, but something that we take as kind of a vow and an attempt to live this way. And then when we mess up, as we probably will in some way or another, we try to learn from that and realign ourselves 
and take the vow again, learning from what we have done to uh, try to do our best to live in this way in the future. First one is I undertake the training to refrain from killing living beings, from harming living beings, even more broadly speaking, but definitely from killing living beings. So recognizing our own life is precious to us, and so similarly, other beings hold their lives precious. So this includes here on the land, even all the animals, the deer, the birds, uh, the lizards, and even the insects. So we practice non-harming. And notice if the urge to harm comes up, uh, some sense of aggression or violence uh, certainly might arise within our human uh, stream of mind. Uh, But we try to hold back from acting on that. There's a great impact from that. Here at Spirit Rock, sometimes you see animals moving around in a very different way than usually you see them. Uh, They're not as afraid of us because... On this land for decades now, people have been practicing this non-harming. So we try to create a community in which we can all feel safe with each other because we've taken this precept. Second one, I undertake the training to refrain from taking what is not freely offered. So in order to attend to this one, we notice when the urge to uh, take something, the urge of greed or uh, craving or some sense of lack comes up in us as it happens from time to time. And in refraining from acting on that, we give each other the gift of safety, of the sense that, like, yeah, if I left my shoes outside, uh, they probably will be there when I come back out of the hall. So it's a great gift, and many of us in the city have had something stolen from us, taken from us at different times. It makes you feel uh, not that relaxed, right? It makes you feel like there has been a violation in some way. Third one, I undertake the training to refrain from harming myself and others with my sexuality. And for the purposes of this retreat, what this means is to refrain from sexual activity. So we're going to be like uh, celibate uh, monks and nuns, or nunks, as one of my friends likes to say, um, for this uh, for this week. Uh, it's just for this week, and after that, you can go back to your regular lives. Uh, but for the sake of the practice, we actually really simplify things. You know, try to simplify as much as possible, uh, create space uh, with each other. There are very subtle ways in which sometimes we can impinge on each other's space, even in silence, um, even sometimes through the gaze, you know, how we're looking at each other, uh, how we're moving near each other, you know, can make each other feel sort of as animals safe or not safe. So we put some attention towards this area of uh, sexual energy. Not at all because it's a bad energy, it's a bad thing. It's a very natural aspect of our mammal life that this is here. But learning how to work with that skillfully in a way that is good for ourselves and also not harming others. Fourth one is paying attention to speech. And usually the trainings that we try to take up around this is not... uh, speaking falsely, so only telling the truth, um, avoiding harsh and abusive speech, um, avoiding speech that is divisive or gossipy, uh, and avoiding unnecessary speech. For the purpose of the retreat, it's very simple. So uh, pretty much stay in silence. (laughs) There'll be times when you have meetings with the teacher or you have to talk to the managers about something or another, um, and then you can speak, but even then you could try to keep it as simple as possible. 
So this is also a kind of energetic conservation and a gift that we give to each other, so the gift of space in this way. So this includes even if you came here with a friend or with a partner, uh, or uh, maybe you convinced your friend to come on retreat for the first time and they were kind of reluctant and you kind of want to check in with them and make sure they're having a good experience. Uh, so I'd say make an agreement between each other that you'll give each other space and silence for the retreat. And then at the end, you can find out how it's going. And just trust that if they have a problem, they can come and talk to us or the managers and we'll help to sort it out for them. So you can make a little uh, pinky promise to each other. Give each other space. Don't go on quiet romantic walks together or try to sit next to each other in the dining hall. You know, as much as possible, just try to like, allow each other the space to observe, to be present with your experience. And then at the end, you might have some interesting things to tell each other that's more than uh, like having talked to each other all the time or communicated all the time. So this includes writing notes and stuff like that. Like really give yourself space with that one. I think Howie uh, alluded also to this uh, modern dimension of this communication thing, this silence thing that we have now, um, particularly with our computers in the palms of our hands that many of us have. So I very much encourage you and ask you to renounce your devices for the week. This is a radical, radical thing. I know particularly for people in the Bay Area who might have, we might even call it for some of us an addiction to our phones, our email, our texting and stuff like that. So we're trying to simplify things and retreat and really give ourselves the opportunity to read the, with mindfulness, whatever it is that arises in the body, uh, in emotions. And we'll go into more and more detail of checking out Uh, what's really true beyond the surface of how things are. When we engage with continuous to use email or text people or so on, it kind of keeps you clinging to that level of thought and words in a way that's not as conducive for retreat. So that's really why it's not that they're bad things. They're very good tools in their place. But Uh, It's recommended that you put your devices on retreat for the week also. So put them in meditation mode. You can do this a variety of ways. So one is that our kind managers have uh, have, uh, agreed that they can guard your phones for you for the week. So tomorrow morning we're going to have masking tape and markers out there. And you could put a little piece of tape with your name on your phone. And then in the morning sitting, the 8.30 sitting, Uh, you can come and put it in the basket. We'll have a basket here. And then it will be taken uh, with very great care to the manager's office, and they'll lock it in a safe. And all of your phones will meditate together during the week also, quietly. And then you can be reunited with them at the end. (laughs) Okay. So this is a great service. And if you do this, that will prevent you from having to uh, have the temptation of checking it over and over again. Uh, if for some reason you feel like you can't do that, um, I recommend you do whatever you can to free yourself from it. So take the battery out and leave it separate. Uh, wrap it in a sock and put that in your suitcase and put the suitcase under the bed. Uh, don't just leave it charging on your table. Uh, like I'll just use this as a clock or something like that, thinking that you won't be disturbed by texts or that you won't be tempted. Uh, is very tempting, and 
the mind and heart may not be so strong as to withstand the temptation of the cell phone. So this is a modern aspect that the Buddha didn't have to address as specifically, <laughs> but we feel it's helpful to spend a little time on it for uh, the sake of your retreat. And if for any reason that there is some emergency that happens or something um, that you do have to make a call, there's a payphone in the dining hall area. And then if you do have to make a call, please go like way beyond the gate in your car. If you have a car, do that quietly so not to bother anyone at all. Um, and then uh, close it up again. Yeah. So this is really just for benefit of your own retreat. And we usually also recommend uh, even paying attention to the input, what you take in, Uh, as far as reading and writing. So this is not because there's something wrong with reading and writing, but really we've read a lot and thought a lot and concocted our stories, and we're trying to take a moment to step outside of these stories and see what's actually true. Uh, The four of us up here are going to be talking a lot, so you'll get plenty of input in words and guidance. So try it as an experiment for this period of time also to give up uh, reading material too. Uh, Give up writing even, if you feel like you can. Live in the actuality of what life is and not our stories about what we think it's about. So relatedly, the fifth training that we will uh, encourage that you take up is I undertake the training to refrain from intoxicants that cloud the mind. So this is like alcohol and drugs primarily, so recreational substances. Sometimes there's ways in which uh, you could consider your uh, addiction to phones or certain websites or uh, TV shows can feel addictive also in a certain way. But specifically, we're talking about the substances that can cloud our minds and make it difficult for us to see clearly. For some people, this will be easy. And for some people, um, I want to recognize this can be very challenging and very different from how you are in your daily life. If you're taking a, a medication that's to help balance your mind or your body, a prescription medication, then you should please continue doing that. So this is not referring to those. Uh, but other substances, you can try it, again, as an experiment, even if you haven't done this for a long time, for a week, to have a substance-free week. Yeah. And see what it's like uh, when we let go of taking refuge in some things that we usually have taken refuge in. So those are the five uh, trainings that we will take together. And I want to recognize that it's a courageous thing to do this. It's an unusual way to live together. And it also is a gift that we give to both ourselves and to those around us to undertake this experiment. So in in doing this, we're um, joining this path of people who have tried to live in this kind of integrity for thousands of years, really and who are also doing this, not just here, but in many different settings, many different practice centers, uh, retreat centers, uh, monasteries, many different parts of the world. So we're part of a very honorable tribe who is trying to do this uh, at this time. So because this is something that we do in community together, um, I want to just try this, doing this in this way. Um, We also didn't get a chance to sort of meet the people near us. So uh, we usually take this as sort of, I undertake the training to uh, live by these precepts. You can say that in one summary like that, or uh, whatever in some way that is meaningful to you, you can say this, like, um, I'll do my best to follow these trainings. 
um, yeah, something that's meaningful to you. It's like a one-sentence thing. Um, so I invite you to meet someone near you, and you can uh, bow to them because you're talking to them sort of on behalf of talking to everyone. Uh, and take with as much sincerity as you can uh, your own intention to follow the precepts as best you can during this week. Yeah. And we'll do this um, a couple times with people on the different sides. Yeah. So this is also akin to sort of wagging your tail at the people around you a little bit. Um, after this, we'll be going into silence, and so you won't be talking to them, but you just get a chance to uh, connect and commit as best you can. Yeah. Okay. So one sentence with each other. If you want to do a bow, you can. Okay, did everyone get a chance to connect with at least one person in this way? Okay, so we've done it up here too. So uh, we're embarking on a noble, uh, noble activity together, an adventure that uh, we don't know where it leads, uh, but we're also going there together uh, too as a community. So I uh, wish you well in your practice, and I'm happy to be here doing this together this week. I'm going to keep this really short. We're going to sit for about 10 minutes. You got this. (laughs) So in whatever ways your body is comfortable right now, just allow your attention to turn inward. Just connecting in with the body and all the sensations that come with it. Feeling the chair, the cushion, the floor, all the touch, all the contact points. pressure.
and welcoming yourself just as you are in this body, in this moment. Right now it's like this. Softening any obvious places of tension or holding. Allowing awareness to scan the usual places that we hold tension, whether it's the shoulders, <coughs> neck, jaw, muscles around the eyes and mouth. And Eugene talked about this awareness. Well, there's a real kindness to it. So we're befriending our experience. I also notice that there's this breathing that's happening. 
this tide that's going in and out of us. The Buddha's instructions were very simple. When you're breathing in, know that you're breathing in. When you're breathing out, know that you're breathing out. So what is it to know this breathing? How does the body know that it's breathing from the inside out? Not the story of it, not the mental images of it, on our memories of it. But what is our direct experience of this breathing?
So have a good night's sleep. We'll see you in the morning. We'll be in for the six o'clock sitting. And if you're new, there are no instructions at that early morning sitting. The instructions will be at the 8.30 sitting. Please use the instructions that have been given or that you already know. We'll see you in the morning. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.